Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. We are back on another Michigan Basketball Insider. I'm Sam Webb. Your host with the man from a Michigan basketball standout and NBA first-round draft pick. You know the, the resume as I lay it out every single week. He does college basketball for ESPN, pro basketball for Fox Sports Detroit, and he runs the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp. Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you this week? I'm happy. I'm very happy, just like last week and the week before. A lot of reasons to celebrate, Sam. Michigan's ranked again, I'm playing the best ball going into March. We've seen that in the past several years. They're finally healthy. They've won, what, seven of eight? And and I said it last week. With Michigan's defensive improvement and the way the ball is just it's just whipping around on the perimeter, I think Michigan could be anybody in college basketball. They can beat Kansas and Baylor or Kentucky. They can beat anyone. And, and you know, I, I – um, I've had something kind of sticking in the back of my mind the last three weeks. Let, let me take you back because we, we talked a lot about the Ohio State game, right? That was their fifth loss in seven games, and three of four of those were at, at Chrysler. And I remember walking out of the arena, and the fans were they were grumbling a little bit. They, you know, probably like a lot of your callers, mm-hmm. um, that they, they were down on, on Michigan. And I remember there was a, a guy that he was kind of loud and he was obnoxious and, and he was yelling out that Juwan's overrated and it's time to buy our NIT tickets. <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> come on guy, you know, give him a chance. We've seen this in the past. And, and, and so now all of a sudden the fact that Michigan's healthy, um, it, it's a really good evolving story, five wins in a row, and um, it, it feels very familiar to me. Yeah, you know, one thing I found out in this job, Tim, talking to folks on the radio, dealing with people on the message boards, uh, dealing with people in crowds, the majority of the population I don't think I would want to be in the foxhole or the bunker with, man. <laughs> no, mean, they're going to bail on you in a heartbeat. They're going to bail it. Yeah, bail on me, uh, not have very much composure. In the face of adversity, I think that's just the uh, that's just the nature of the beast. But that's why that that's what makes good leadership so important. Because I mean, just you, you look at where the team was at, at that point, losing losing to Ohio State, a game that was a, a game that you felt like was in their grasp, and, and you know to let that one drop with Michigan State right around the corner to be able to to keep the team from letting disappointment set in and come out with a spirited effort against Michigan State was absolutely huge and really set them on this on this run that they're on now, which brings us uh, to going into last week. We talked about, I mean, they were on the road at Rutgers, uh, at Purdue, two places that are very tough to uh, to win. Rutgers was 17-0 and at home heading into that game. Purdue had dusted off. A couple of opponents, including Michigan State uh, at Mackey, and Michigan went in and won both of those games, starting in Piscataway, Tim, most notably without Isaiah Livers. Yeah, I um, I I just was was thoroughly impressed. And think about this: they shot poor. Michigan did not shoot the ball very well and won in a venue where the home team was seventeen and zero. Um, I love the bench, and the bench is happy right now. You you can tell a happy team 
based on just watching the celebrations from the guys that aren't even playing. Um, Michigan won that game on the defensive end. It was one of Michigan's best games of the year in kind of a hidden game key, contesting shots. Uh-huh. Um, there was a, a seven-minute scoreless stretch for Rutgers in the second half. They couldn't make a three because Michigan was right up there. It, it was a tough environment. I, look, I'm not – everybody's kind of touting this as a new house of horrors in the Big Ten. I don't I don't buy that. I, I, I've been there. Um, it's a good crowd. It's small. So, you know, the sight line's a little quirky. Um, but but Michigan played great. You know, I just have to give so much credit to Juwan Howard. He has been brilliant, simply brilliant. And and in every way you can imagine, um, you know, there, there's plenty of stories of what they've done on the court, right? Like his adjustments. You're, you're down nine at Rutgers. Um, you go to Castleton. I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. Um, you go to zone. I, I didn't see that coming. And and then they win. And th- that's a great adjustment, right? And, yeah. And so Juwan has been a massive key for Michigan. Yeah, you – I think you, you nailed it. I, one of the things that stuck out to me in this game, you mentioned Castleton, and we'll, we'll focus on him specifically here coming up. But, you know, keeping guys ready. I mean, I used to have a coach who, who used, he would always say, uh, don't get ready, stay ready. And mm-hmm. and that is that is what I take from from this team, uh, that when whoever it is, when his number is called, that guy, some guy, and it seems like a different guy in every game, uh, really, really steps up in a support role to, to help Michigan a ton. Uh, but leading away from Michigan in that game, you knew he was going to have to score more points with, uh, without uh, Isaiah Livers. It was a game time decision, so you knew he was going to have to, you know, emotionally steady his team. That was a big game for Xavier Simpson. I know he had, you know, at times there was some foul trouble for him that that kind of limited him at, at different points of the game. But came out, hit a couple of big three pointers. Uh, you know, he 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 scored for his team. Let him in scoring with 16 points, grabbed six boards. Uh, Would have had more assists if guys knocked down more of the open looks that he found them on. But I thought it was they keep calling him the maestro. That was one of the better performances we've seen from from Xavier Simpson, and I think when folks evaluate him, you can't always get caught up in a in a big scoring total because it's so much more that he brings to the table than just points. The points were big, the sixteen were huge, but again, the five assists were, were big. Could have been more if guys hit open shots, six boards. Uh, you know, tough defense. He just did it all for his team that day. There was a lot of pressure on him as well, and. It's sort of the the benchmark I always look to. If you're gonna if you're gonna win a game in the Big Ten, you really need three guys that have exceptional games. And and if you look at at Michigan against Rutgers, the, the only starter that you would say, man, that that guy was good, would have been Xavier. I, I liked what DeJulius did. You know, he was good off the off the bench in a support role. I liked what Castleton did, but but really. Xavier Simpson was the guy and, and he, um, he played a very positive game. He, he was very upbeat and confident. And, and I know, you know, on this call, I'm going to keep going back to Juwan because I, I see glimpses of it every time he's in a press conference and in his post game interviews, he is so confident and upbeat. You never hear a negative word, right? Mm-hmm. No, never. And, and when he talks to his players and his coaches, it's upbeat. And guess what? The reason 
that five-star guys are lining up to play for him is because when they come in and they talk to Michigan's players, they rave about the positive environment. And, and so, so we talked already about Xavier and how good he is. He's being mentored and tutored, and, and he's getting better. And we talk about their defense. They gave up 52 points. Defense is not fun. De- defense is, is hard work. It's a job. But, but if you've got a coach that's upbeat and positive, it gets a lot easier, doesn't it? So um, I, just, I, 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 I walked away from that Rutgers game thinking how mature of Juwan to say, you know, livers, his ankles doesn't look a hundred percent. You know, we can, we can win this game without him and, and we'll be even better against Purdue. A lot of coaches would say the opposite. Isaiah, I need you to suck it up. I need 30 out of you today. I need 30 minutes. That that's not what Juwan did. Right. I mean, and the way you laid it out, hell, it was Isaiah Livers that was telling Coach, telling Jawan, hey, I can suck it up, Coach. I want to play. And it was Jawan that had to come in and say, look, you're going to sit this one out, kid. You know, we, we, we can get this one done. We're going to make this one happen with, with you on the bench. And he said, you know, it was one of those deals where Isaiah was, I won't say distraught, but he was upset. He wanted to be there for his team and was going to suck it up, was going to gut it out. Uh, and Jawan stepped in and said, no, you know, I'm going to see the forest for the trees here, sit you on the bench in this game, and we're going to get it done. And someone's going to step up. And you mentioned Colin Castleton. And we watched this team, uh, Tim. I mean, we talked about earlier in here when Austin Davis has no discernible role on this team other than maybe coming in and giving the occasional foul. Uh, but yet when they went to him, he was ready to step up uh, and give them some some quality, quality minutes in production. We talked about Brandon Johns a few weeks ago with back-to-back career-high efforts and, you know, how he was able to step up when his number was called. Colin Castleton started out in the rotation and fell out of it, and they needed him in this game. They needed some quality minutes. Uh, he gave them some length and athleticism against a, against a team that could really get up and down. Uh, you saw the moment he got in the game, you know, a nice pump fake from the wing, driving an and one, and you could just see you know, the spirit, the energy he gave to his team after that and one ran to the bench and, you know, gave everyone, you know, dapped everyone up. That was one of the things that that Xavier Simpson talked about. And just that energy that he gave, that that 10 minutes he gave his team, that five points, those three rebounds. Again, people will look at the box score and say that wasn't a big wasn't a huge deal. You talk to the guys on the team or you watch the game. He was a huge deal in that game. You're absolutely right. And I, I'm going to say this unequivocally, the hardest role in basketball is to be the 10th man. Um, I, I've been a starter. I've been the last guy on an NBA team. Um, the, the starter's easy. You know your role. You, you know you're going to get a chance to contribute. The last spot on the bench is easy, too, because you you're there you know, to watch the game. They might as well give you some popcorn because unless it's, it's a blowout, you're not doing anything. The hardest spot is the 10th man because you go into the game and you have the same responsibility to get mentally tough, to get mentally ready, to, you know, to, to get psyched up because you, you've got a game to play. But the truth is, in the back of your mind, you know you may be sitting there the whole game as a cheerleader, and, and then all of a sudden the coach calls your number and you've got to jumpstart your adrenaline. You've got to get ready to go. That is incredibly hard. And, and after you go two or three games, 
not getting the call, you can get down on yourself. You can feel sorry for yourself. And so for Colin Castleton to be ready, what that, that, that was a big boy move right there. That showed me a lot. Michigan plus seven bench advantage. Um, they, they just changed the game. And I'm always a big advocate of having a nice zone in your back, um, in your back pocket, because quite frankly, Rutgers is one of the worst perimeter shooting teams right. in the big 10. And, and I, I mean, I, w- I might play zone against them the whole game, right? but it was, it took a lot of guts and I, I was very impressed. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, Steve Peichel, he, he said after the game that they got some, they got some good looks that they, uh, that they just got to make. He said they, he wasn't upset with the shots they got. And I think Michigan, I think that was by design. I think that was, yeah. that was a little bit by design. Now they weren't all open looks, but, some of the open ones they got, I think Michigan was like, "Oh yeah, shoot that." <laughs> because yeah. Oh, you know, you're right. Because... You're right. Hey, hey, um, Sam, I, I just had something come to my mind, and and I want to go off script a little bit and and throw this out to you because first of all, I want to stay positive, right? Um, and and but I I do think that I'm gonna make an observation, and I'm curious if you've had this thought too. Okay, um, we're impressed with everything about Juwan, right? His, his knowledge, his passion, the adjustments, his people skills, you know, the way he talks and dresses and, and the ball players are all so attracted to him. I mean, that, that's an obvious, right? I haven't said anything out of the ordinary, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know who else is watching very close, just like we are? And they love his coaching and they love his personality as well. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do not. The NBA. Mm. Don't, think for a second that in the inner circles of the league everybody is watching Juwan Howard and how loved he is by his players and his relationships and his recruiting and you know before he took the Michigan job he had multiple interviews with NBA teams right so he he's been on their radar for a while and and if you think that Jim Harbaugh is always a threat to go to the NFL I know Juwan loves Michigan. Um, he, he is going to be chased by the NBA like you can't believe, right? And expenses are of no consequence for NBA teams. And they just watch him perfecting his craft. And I'm just saying, I think it's naive and unrealistic to think that the NBA in those deep pockets and the owners that they're watching – I think they're going to be coming hard, and it's probably going to start sooner than we want. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I look, I I think it would be naive to to think that folks in NBA circles aren't impressed by what by what they're seeing. This very quickly, he's shown the ability to adapt, the ability to 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 nurture and grow guys in the moment. Uh, we've had some we've had some in season adversity that we've seen. Uh, him have the team respond to all the the qualities that you want to see uh, in a in a coach. You're seeing those things in Jawan Howard, but there are a few things that I, I think if you're a Michigan fan, uh, you you can have some confidence in his his probably staying around for a while, not forever. I wouldn't promise forever, but for a while. Number one, the guy has an undying love for Michigan. I think it's real. I think it's sincere. You know the the heartstrings that you you hear being tugged every time he talks about uh, you know what it was like to be uh, in consideration for the job and the thought of coming back and now 
he's coaching, he's actually coaching at his alma mater and that he's gone out and he's he's put that out there with, with different guys, different recruits, and having an opportunity to really build something, to put a stamp on it. I think he wants to leave a legacy, number one. And then number two, Tim, I mean, he's going to have a chance to coach his son. To oh, be, yeah, I've, to, got that on, I've got that on my list, Sam. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, he's going no doubt. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have a chance to do something that not many coaches are able to do. Uh, to to be a part of a, a a winning program, a team that that you know could have some some really 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 lofty accomplishments, and his son can play a prime role in that while he's coaching, and it's his alma mater too. I mean, this this is storybook type stuff that I just mm-hmm. again I think you're absolutely spot on. You if you're a Michigan fan, you cannot uh, keep your have your head in the sand and think that the NBA won't come calling. They will. But I think that phone won't be picked up for quite some time. I won't say it won't ever be picked up, but I think it'll be a while before he picks it up. Yes, yes, yes. And I I am in no way suggesting that I think he's leaving anytime soon. But as I just as I watch him evolve, the NBA was interested before. They're more interested now. And and you just know that there is somebody out there that's gonna make a run at him at some point. And I, I do agree that coaching his sons would be a, a, a tremendous lure. His son, Jed, is, a, is an elite recruit, and, and hopefully you know, he'll be here very soon as well. But it's something to keep in the back of your mind. Listen, if, it, if, if he starts to get calls from the NBA, we just don't want anybody out there to say, oh, I didn't see this coming. Okay, <laughs> A public service announcement, Jawan is hot. He's going to be coveted. Just, just know that those calls are coming. Yep, it is. Uh, that is inevitable. But you know, again, I, I think that this is this is a Michigan. You cut him open. Uh, I know it's cliche, but you cut him open. He he bleeds blue, and I, I think that that I think that means that for a while, for the foreseeable future, you're gonna see him on the sideline in Chrysler. Now, again, I I do think I expect that at some point. And this is my personal expectation, Tim. This is not based on any conversation with Jawan or anyone around him. Uh, just you know, just l- him being so long in that league, uh, his his coaching style being such a fit for that league. I would be surprised if he. Uh, if he never coaches there, I think he'll coach in the NBA eventually. Uh, I just don't think it'll be anytime soon. No, and and think about this: all of the the touch points that he's experienced throughout his career, um, all of the the coaches he's played for, all of the assistants that have worked with him when he was a player, all of the executives and team owners that he you know has on speed dial, all of the players around the league that were under him um, when he was an assistant with the Heat, uh, all of the players that, you know, the LeBrons of the world, and they're, they're all going to get asked at some point, hey, who do you think should be our next coach? <laughs> they're all going to put in a positive word for him. So th- there's our public service announcement. Yep. The day is coming when he's going to get the call. And, and I, I think like you, I think he's going to be around for a long time. But we can't be naive. Yeah, and you you said something as you were talking. You, know, you can't find anyone in basketball circles that'll say anything negative about Jawan. You you have to find some fan in Chrysler after a sh- after a loss to to say, hey, that guy's overrated. But that's that's like few and far between. Everyone has something positive to say 
about Juwan Howard. He really fits well. Yeah. Uh, he really works well with these guys. And and you know, again, that's that's whether that's whether you're talking about people that were on a in a franchise that he was a part of or just played against him. Uh, his name travels and travels well. Uh, I know you you got a chance to ask our guest this week uh, a little bit about Juwan Nick Stauskas. Uh, you know, Sauce Castillo, uh, a guy who <laughs> who I remember watching in in high school uh, in Canada. His his profile really exploded. His stock really exploded a little bit later on in the process. But he could always shoot it. And you know, I, one of the games that really sticks out to me was that 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 uh, Elite Eight game against Florida, where he just he shot the lights out. Uh, you know, watching Michigan shoot the lights out in that game kind of reminded me of the 89 run against Virginia. Uh, he had he had some shooting nights like that. Uh, and you just know that his day, his number is going to be called again in the NBA, Tim. I, I agree. And the first time that that I had a chance to meet and spend time with Nick was when he was at the top 100 camp. And and I watched him closely. Um, his guy, Ro Russell, you probably know Ro. Um, from Canada brought him down and I, I immediately thought, you know, he's, he's, he's about the same size, kind of a bouncy athlete, a little bit like Rex Chapman back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he he was an all big 10 player at Michigan and all American. And, and I've been very surprised because I just thought he was earmarked for, for stardom in the NBA. And sometimes it doesn't translate. Sometimes you're just in the wrong fit. But I do believe that he's got a big future still in the NBA. Five teams in five years. Um, he's recovering from some knee surgery. Wish him the best of luck. But I I look at Nick Stauskas as one of my favorite guards in Michigan basketball history. Mine as well. So let's get right to it. Here is Tim McCormick with Nick Stauskas. All right. Our guest today on podcast number 17 is truly one of the best shooting guards in Michigan basketball history. Number 11, Nick Stauskas, so glad to have you join us here. Oh, thanks for having me, Tim. So you've been, enjoyed an incredible journey. You grew up in Canada, and then you're an All-American at Michigan, five years in the NBA, hopefully a lot more. Um, give us a little update on what you're doing now. Uh, well, I just finished I just finished a season in Spain. Uh, the season got cut short. Uh, I had to get surgery on my knee, unfortunately. Uh, but it was my first experience uh, overseas in the Euro League, uh, and it was definitely it was eye opening. It was an enjoyable experience. Uh, the level of competition was great. Uh, but I only signed a one year deal there, so uh, this summer I'll be a free agent again. My main focus right now is just getting myself healthy after the surgery. Um, but I, you know, I really don't know what what the next chapter brings for me. But uh, I'm confident, and I mean, the goal for me is still to always get back to the NBA at some point. So. Uh, I'll continue working for that no matter what. Uh, and don't forget, you've got some other plans this summer, right? Yeah, for sure. I, uh, the last couple of years, I've done uh, some work with TSN, um, the Toronto Sports Network in, in Canada, doing Raptors playoff coverage. So uh, I plan to continue doing that this year as much as I can uh, while I visit back, uh, back my family back in Toronto. And, um, you know, for me, that's just something that's it's, it's good practice, good repetition um, for, you know, a, a possible future job doing that full time when I'm done playing. Nice. So as a broadcaster, how about if you break down the Michigan basketball team from what you've seen so far this year? Ooh, so that's actually a tricky that's actually a tricky question for me, only because when I was living in Spain with the time difference, I, I legitimately 
wasn't able to catch one Michigan basketball game this entire year. So uh, I don't think I could give you a full-on scouting report of them at this moment. But <laughs> now that I'm uh, now that I'm back in the United States uh, and we got March Madness around the corner, I'm sure I'll, I'll get a chance to see a lot more of them now. Well, that, that's a that's a reason next year. Make sure you're in the NBA so you can watch <laughs> exactly. all the games. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's easier to keep up that way. Yeah. So, um, did you um did you have a chance to build any kind of a relationship with Jawan Howard? Do you do you know him at all? I know him a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, over the course of my five years in the NBA, you know, he was with the Heat the whole time and. Um, you know, we always made a point just to say hi to each other. I feel like, you know, everyone who's, you know, from the University of Michigan, we feel a special connection together. At least I do. So uh, I try to go out of my way just to say hi to people who are Michigan alums. And uh, Juwan's always been super nice and supportive. So uh, from what I know, he's a great guy. Good. So, Nick, 2014, big year for you. Big Ten Player of the Year and All-American. Looking back, what was your favorite Michigan memory from your, your basketball days there? Man, uh, favorite Michigan basketball memory. My freshman, probably my freshman year, just getting an opportunity to play in the Final Four, uh, playing the national championship game, and just making that NCAA tournament run. Like, uh, for for a basketball player, I don't think there's anything like it. You know, just your, you know, you're 18, 19 years old. It's your first time playing on such a big stage, and um, you 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 establish such great relationships and bonds with your teammates and coaches, and uh, I know for me that year we went to the final four. It just felt like that team had was like a, it was a real family. So for me, that was probably like one of the most enjoyable basketball experiences of my entire life. Yeah. Playing in massive arenas and with all that pressure, were you nervous? Is it hard to shoot with those backgrounds? What, what was it like playing in the final four? Uh, definitely a little bit nerve wracking, but um, I know for a lot of our guys, you know, we love, we love playing in those, uh, those crazy atmospheres with a lot of fans there. I'd say the one difference for me, like there was a little bit of a depth perception uh, struggle for me. Uh, first moving, like we played at the the Cowboys Arena in Dallas. And I remember just like looking out from the court and it just seemed like there was a mile until the next seat. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of a different experience for me. But uh, like I said, we, we truly enjoyed playing in bigger in bigger environments with uh, hostile crowds. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with your teammates? And, and if you had to pick one, who's your favorite teammate? Oh, that's an interesting question. I definitely keep up with uh, with a lot of them, um, but uh, I maybe my favorite teammate. I might have to go with uh, you know who's a fellow freshman with me, uh, Spike Albrecht. Uh, you know we were roommates when we got onto campus together our freshman year, and uh, we just established a, a really really good bond together. And uh, I actually Spike is a, a groomsman in my in my wedding this summer, um, so. Uh, that's uh, that's something that you know the friendship that we've carried on to this day right now. Uh, does your fiance like Michigan? You know, it's funny. She actually went to IU. Oh um, no! <laughs> yeah, and she was at IU when like Oladipo and Zeller and all those guys were there. So it's funny. She actually used to go to those. She's a huge basketball fan, so she used to she used to go to those games. Um, but she didn't know me at all at that time, and she was rooting for IU. So. Uh, it's funny we kind of look back on those memories now. It's okay. I married a Spartan, and it seems to have worked pretty well. So yeah, you, you can you can make this work, Nick. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I'm curious, being from Canada, uh, John Beeline recruited you. What was John Beeline like as a recruiter, and why did you choose Michigan? Uh, he was he was a great recruiter, and I think it wasn't just him; it was the whole staff. Um, you know, his assistants as well, they just did a great job of connecting with me. 
But for me, Michigan was just – it made so much sense. Um, at the time, they were a great up-and-coming team. Um, and I remember, you know, right before I was coming in, there, you know, their two guards, uh, Stu Douglas and, and Zach Novak, they were both graduating. And for me, I looked at it as a, as a huge opportunity to, you know, come in and play for, you know, a big-time program under a big-time coach like Coach Beeline um, and have a chance for legitimate minutes and to make a run in the tournament. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, that, that kind of all ended up working out. Yeah, so so I, I'm curious. You, you played for Coach Beeline. Uh, you also played for the Cavs, so you kind of know their culture. Um, are are you at all surprised that it didn't work out for Coach Beeline in Cleveland? And and you know the the thought is he's very structured, right? Meticulous. Yeah. And, and the NBA players are so artistic and creative. Did you did you foresee any of this, or were you surprised? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, I. I knew there would be some struggles because for any coach who's going from college to NBA, there's going to be major adjustments. Um, but, you know, I, I also, you know, I, there's part of me that feels that like he wasn't given fully a fair chance. You know, things were kind of cut short and, um, you know, even though, even though things really weren't working this year, you know, it takes, it takes more than just a couple of months for, you know, for someone to turn things around. So I would have loved to see him get a little bit more of an opportunity, but, you know, I also know the NBA is, it's, it's a business and, uh, you know, when things don't work, you know, teams have to make it, owners, teams, managers, they have to make decisions. So, um, you know, coach Beeline's a great coach. He's well-respected no matter where he goes, whether that's, you know, NBA or college. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, I wish it would have worked out a little bit better for him. I feel bad. Man, I hope he gets another shot. And, and Yeah, um, no, I, and I, I hope so as well, for sure. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so, so you're from Canada, and your family has Lithuanian descent. Uh, you had a mentoring relationship with I Iggy Brasdakis. I know there's a story there. What, what is it? Uh, well, basically, uh, to be honest, I can't even remember the first time that I met Ignis, but. Uh, I always felt a special connection with him just because, you know, we're both Canadian, we're both Lithuanian. Uh, and then obviously, you know, him deciding to choose to go to the University of Michigan, I would like to think that I had a role in, in persuading him. Um, but, you know, I just think from this day, it's, it's for me, I'm just really proud because, you know, I think I started seeing him when he was around 15, 16 years old. And uh, to see him like grow up and mature and work hard and achieve his dreams uh, and to be able to be a part of that, you know, just, it was a great feeling for me. And uh, I'm, I'm still very excited for him. He's got a bright future ahead. So let's go back to the 2014 NBA draft top 10 pick. Uh, what was your first big NBA purchase? First big NBA purchase. Uh, uh, I, we were in summer league. We were in Vegas and uh, I went shopping in Vegas and I bought myself a Louis Vuitton book, uh, a backpack. And that was my first, uh, my first big NBA purchase. That is so funny because uh, we talked to DJ Wilson and asked yeah. him the same question, and he got a backpack as well. Is that <laughs> is that really a high level purchase? Uh, well, I mean, 
like mine was mine was like two thousand dollars and at the time when you're 20 years old <laughs> you never had money two thousand is a lot so for me that was a huge purchase that's great and and then also your nba career you've um you've been on five teams in five years um, yeah. hopefully next year there'll be six teams in six years um but but what what would you say is your 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 career highlight uh, maybe somebody you matched up against a big a big game what, what was your highlight so far uh you know my last year in the nba uh you know with the uh i started the year with the blazers and uh opening night we played uh, against the lakers and, and lebron uh at the motor center in portland it was lebron's first game in la uh the game was on tnt and um i ended up having a really good game that game i shot the ball well. i think i had 24 uh, and that was my first game with the blazers so uh for me that, that was probably and you know growing up having lebron be one of my idols um that was probably one of my favorite moments of my career so far i i think a lot of people don't realize you know how how much respect there is between players that did he ever say anything to you have, have you had a chance to to interact with one of your heroes uh not like not on a personal level but i mean um just going up, just getting to go up against someone on the court is good enough for me. Like I, I haven't really been able to establish uh, off the court relationship with them, but um, you know, just you know, being a kid that idolized those guys and everyone goes through it, but it's it's just an honor to to finally be there and play against those guys on the same floor and um, and have success too. You know, when you're able to beat them, you know, you're like you're like damn, like it, it makes you feel good about yourself and all, all the hard work you put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media is is just crazy for NBA players. It's it's so much different than when I played. There was no social media. Um, do do you um do do you find that your social media game is pretty strong? Do you, you know have you de-emphasized it? And and maybe who's the most famous person that you have ever had follow you? Um. Well, for me, I definitely I used to love Twitter. And that's something that I no longer really use. Uh, and I felt like there was just so many negative interactions on there with fans and, you know, their opinions. And uh, at a certain point, I just felt like it wasn't benefiting me anymore. So I stopped using it. But I still personally, I love Instagram. I use Instagram all the time. Um, and sorry, I, f- I forgot. What was the last question? Yeah. You have, you, have you ever had any big time people, someone that you said, well, I can't believe they're following me? Oh, someone I couldn't believe they're following me. Um, oh yeah, there's this like there's this uh, DJ that a lot of people really love. His name's Diplo, and to be honest, I I I mean I don't really know him that much, but my fiance and all of her friends like love him, and uh, he was following me because I think he's from Philly or he lives in Philly, and like my fiance was freaking out about it, but I didn't even really know the significance, <laughs> but. She told me it was a big deal. Yeah, and, and I always want to know who's the most famous person in your cell phone. The most famous person in my cell phone, uh, probably Shaq. Shaq, wow! What, how did that happen? Well, because um, Shaq, had, uh, I got drafted to the Kings, and uh, Shaq has a role with the Sacramento Kings. I can't remember exactly what his title was, but he's involved with the team or at least he was at the time. And so my rookie year, I got, I connected with him a little bit. He may have changed it since then. Yeah. It might not be the right number anymore, but I don't really try to text Shaq that much. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, final question, Nick, uh, what are your plans moving forward? 
you know, I, I know you want to get back into the NBA, get healthy first. You've got your wedding next summer. Um, what, what, what are you looking to do long-term? Uh, I mean, for me, the goal is definitely to have a, have a long and successful NBA career. Like I was blessed to already, you know, play five years there, but, um, I feel like I, I have a lot of good basketball left in me. So that's definitely the goal. Um, but then obviously getting married this summer and starting a family, like those are also things that are important to me. So, uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a great time to be alive right now. There's a lot of good stuff happening. My advice to you is when she asks you about China patterns and what you want it as your entree, always have an opinion. Never say, I don't care. Got it? Okay, I will take I will I will take that piece of advice. Thank you. All right, and Nick, you're 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 one of my favorite people, one of my favorite Michigan players of all time, and I just thank you so much for joining the Michigan Basketball Insider Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you having me. We're back here on the Michigan Basketball Insider, Sam Webb, and Tim McCormick, and and, and Tim, uh, you know, you you talked about with with Nick five NBA teams in in, in five years. You know, trying to to find that home, going over to Spain. Uh, you know, going overseas and having that experience. Uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those things that 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 respite from the, uh, you know, from the NBA to kind of get your bearings. You know, for for teams to kind of see, uh, you know, kind of see what's around. There aren't many shooters in the NBA like Nick Stauskas. So that's one of the reasons why I think he's going to be back. You, you, see, you look around, teams get a chance to look around to see what they're missing, and a whole lot of teams in the NBA are missing shooting, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're going to see Nick Stauskas back on the NBA roster pretty soon. In the analytical world, it's all about shooting and spreading the court. Um, I remember the YouTube video, right, at Christmas. Do you, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Where he made like 46 out of 53s on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And and so you can't fake that. And I watched the whole thing and counted them. And um, I, I do think that that this is going to be a really fun time in Nick's life. He's getting married this summer, which, which is, is, is really – really impressive, um, you know, an impressive part of your life because it, it just changes your mindset. All of a sudden you're thinking, okay, I, I am responsible for someone. I'm going to have kids. I'm, you know, I've got to, I've got to think about my future. What am I going to do for the next 40 years of my life, the next 50 years of my life? And, and I've seen a lot of players get refocused. They, they've been to Europe and they say, man, I, I like NBA better, and and their game gets even more fine tuned. Um, you know, his knee's been bothering him a little bit, so now all of a sudden he gets a reset in that area. I just wish Nick nothing but the best. Yeah, I I reflect upon a conversation that you and I had after you interviewed Duncan Robinson, and you know, obviously Duncan is having a great year, and you know, part of me just wonders if the circumstances as far as their path to the NBA, if the circumstances are kind of affecting the outcome, if you will, that there wasn't a whole lot of pressure on Duncan to do much of anything coming out the gate, right? I mean, anything anything Duncan Robinson did in the way of a contribution uh, was going to be gravy, was totally unexpected. So he was able to, to play pressure-free, whereas Nick comes in uh, and he has, you know, Big Ten Player of the Year and Lottery he has those kinds of expectations heaped upon him on a not good on a team that wasn't good. That's the other thing. You know, you got Duncan Robinson on a good team. So, you know, those those dynamics I think are all things 
from a circum from a circumstantial standpoint that I think have maybe tethered Nick's progress a bit. That again, I think it's just a matter of time. You know, he, he spending a year overseas. You know, I I think it, you know you you get a chance to to kind of survey the area a little bit, maybe get on a a, a better team that that you can play that role on that kind of like the role that, that Duncan is playing on his team could spell all the difference in the world for a guy like Nick. I wasn't going to bring this up, Sam, but you led me there. So I'm, I'm going to share my thoughts. I think that the reason Duncan Robinson has been a more reliable NBA shooter, he's not as good of an athlete as Nick Stoskis. And, and here's why that's important. I often felt that when Nick is streaky with his shots, it's because he jumps so well that the release point on his shot is always a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Duncan Robinson, when he shoots, he jumps, you know, 12 to 16 inches um, off the ground. And and that's about he doesn't, you know, on a shot, that's all he he needs. But with Nick, he he's a really good leaper. He's an above the rim caliber athlete. And I think sometimes on his jump shot, he jumps a little bit higher than others, and that's why he's been a bit inconsistent. But those are things that you can fine-tune as you as you get older. Um, that's why I think that his future is still really bright in the NBA. Great stuff, Tim. All right, speaking of great stuff, great stuff for, for Michigan. Down at Mackey Arena over at Purdue, uh, a team, as I said before, you know, Purdue has had some big wins uh, this year at home. And they they're a team that's on they were on that proverbial tournament bubble playing for their tournament live. So that was a game that you feel like at least a lot of the pundits were saying they had to have. It would be a big one for them to get Michigan at home. And the Wolverines came and, and absolutely got it done. Isaiah Livers back in the in the mix in that game as well. And the Wolverines got it done on both ends of the floor in that game, too. Sometimes when you watch a game earlier in the year it can it can really stick with you and 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 sway your thinking on who's going to win or lose and and i watched purdue just completely dismantle and destroy michigan state by what 29 yeah. 31 <laughs> um it was it was a massive beatdown and and so i kept thinking of that game prior to michigan purdue and then i also you know i, I played at purdue against gene Cady at Mackey Arena three times. And let me tell you, it's it's not Assembly Hall. It's not Jenison. It's not St. John's Arena as the toughest in the Big Ten. It's Mackey. It's the loudest. It's the hardest. So what Michigan did against a very hungry team from Purdue was eye-opening, extremely mature. They showed cohesiveness and teamwork. It, it was another full-game effort. And, and they did this without Eli Brooks, you know, he played 20 minutes, man. I hope he's okay. Cause that was brutal. Yeah. Uh, that takes an emotional toll on you. you. You see your buddy, you know, basically helped off the court. Um, Michigan got better on defense without their guy. And that that's surprising. Uh, John Teske is no longer a liability like he was during a little bit of the stretch of the season. He's back to being a, an all big 10 caliber presence on defense. Uh, they contested shots a lot like Rutgers. And 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 I just, you know, imagine for a second, like sometimes a, a baseball pitcher will get hot, right? They'll get in the zone. They know exactly where the ball is going to go. You know, putters and golf start making everything. Um, quarterbacks get hot. They get in a zone. And even basketball players get in a zone when they're shooting a basketball. Well, 
I think that sometimes defenses can get hot like that too, where they get so dialed in and there's almost like, like a synergy that they have where they just anticipate that, that the help is coming from here and they close out a little bit hotter. Michigan got hot like that against Purdue and it lasted almost the whole game. Yeah, there was a big challenge for, for Michigan to, to really step up and do a better job against Trevion Williams, who who had an out-of-body experience, as I call it, against Michigan. Yes, he did. Uh, the game prior, 36 points. He was unstoppable in that game. So you knew that was going to be, you know, he was going to be a focus for, for Purdue. And why, why wouldn't he be? And Michigan does such a tremendous job of being true to the scout. Uh, you know, there were times where they would – you know, they run another man at him. But more than anything, I felt like, you know, knowing his tendencies, they time and time again, you know, got him. He he wants to go over that left shoulder. They did a good job uh, jumping that every single time, Tim. Uh, and so much so that he, you could tell he was out of sorts. There was one time where he had he had Franz Wagner on him and it must have he must have been you know, 15 feet from the rim, but because, you know, Franz had good positioning, he he went up and left the shot short. And I'm thinking, wow, he he didn't even go into a mood to try to back him down because Michigan had scouted him, you know, jumped his tendency so well uh, that he was ill-equipped to really deal with it. So between, you know, having him uh, catch a little farther out, you know, taking away, you know, taking away his pet move more times than not, he wound up putting up 21 shots in this game to him like you expected him to as a guy who scored 36 points the game prior, uh, but he was only 8 for 21 in that game. Michigan did a great job against him in this contest. They did, and and then also we have to acknowledge Isaiah Livers. You know, he he really is, is the key figure in this defense. Um, one of my favorite movies was Jerry Maguire. I know you loved it too, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise was talking to Renee Zellweger, do you remember the line? Well, you he said, you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said in the movie. And, and, and I feel like that's what Michigan's defense is saying to Isaiah Livers. Isaiah, you complete me because he makes so few mistakes and he talks really, really well. And, and the most important part of defense, it's rebounding, right? You, yeah. you complete the whole sequence. And Livers and Franz right now, I don't, I don't know if this is an overstatement. Maybe if I looked, I could find somebody that, that's as good. But I just believe right now that, that, that Franz and Livers are the best defensive rebounding tandem in the Big Ten at the forward position. They're, they're, they're just really, really good. And it's crazy to say that about Franz because physically he's just he's so slender. That you know you're you're you you're amazed that he's able to be so effective on the glass, uh, and you know again when it comes to on defense at times there are guys who are going to have a size advantage, like Trevion Williams in that in that matchup. But the guy is crafty. He's uh, you know high basketball IQ is able to use his length to his advantage quite often to compensate for what he lacks in brawn. Uh, and it's coming up huge. And now you know I'm knocking on wood. But it seems like his shooting is starting to come around a bit. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, knocked down a few threes in that game, had a career high 22 points. Uh, he was outstanding. But I, I, I'm with you. Isaiah Livers, the catalyst for this team, uh, you know, icing it down the street. They try to go to the 
to the foul game. He hasn't missed a free throw since November, so he keeps that streak going. Again, he is just he, – he puts this team on a different plane, and now you hear – you hear the pundits start to say right, that, that this looks like the team that we saw down in the Bahamas, that this looks like the team that with Isaiah Livers, you know, like they could beat anyone. And, and I'm warming up to that, Tim. I, I think this is a team that if they can keep Isaiah Livers reasonably healthy, and that's a big if, but if they can, you know, I, you know, I don't think that saying that, that this is a Sweet 16 team at least is a is being you know is too lofty is too grandiose to say you know when you talk about what this team can do I certainly think they're capable of at least that if Isaiah Livers can stay healthy oh I I say that without hesitating they've got a big time swagger right now uh, and it's the perfect time of the year to feel a little bit invincible I promise you if Michigan had a game tonight at Duke at Kansas at Maryland, they would step on the court believing that they were the favorite and they would win. I, I don't know if that's the case. I and mean, those are tough venues, um, but, but it's that, that mindset. Um, it, it's not about a couple of good practices or you've got a little win streak or you had a, an upset victory on the road or a great motivational speech. It comes from sustained excellence. And Michigan is not lost now in three weeks and they expect to win. And the greatest connector of players, the, the greatest boost of energy and confidence is when you go into somebody else's building and you walk off their court and it's silent and you jump up and down and celebrate with your boys in their locker room after a win, that will build your confidence and expectations more than anything else. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And you see other guys running in the form. You mentioned John Teske and I, I got to give him a shout out in this game because again, John Teske is a passer. You know, he maybe he's had these struggles offensively, but I continue to believe that he is a plus passer as a five man, and we saw it really come to the fore in this game. Four assists, second most for for Michigan in the contest behind Xavier Simpson, who who again, you won't see many games where you talk about and a guy goes over ten. You're like, man, he played horribly. He shot poorly. Uh, but he didn't play horribly, Tim, as, uh, you know, you saw I thought him do a good job on both ends, but six assists and seven rebounds didn't let his poor shooting uh, really affect the rest of his game. Well, I, um, I, I, look at, I look at the NCAA tournament, and if you said, who, who's going to have, like, a monster game um, in, you know, against Seton Hall in the Sweet 16? Who, who's, who's that guy? I think it's Teske. I think it's Xavier Simpson because they've been there and they're seniors. And, and also familiarity has created problems for both of them. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody scouting report knows them so well. So how many times do we see Xavier get right hand layups now? Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen. Right. And, and, and they know exactly. We talked about this Teske. It, you know, he's an angle scorer. He needs, he needs an angle to get by his guy a little bit. And they, they jump right on that left shoulder. But when you get to a, to a, a, a game against Arizona state, you know, in, in, in a sweet 16 matchup, they don't know him very well. The players don't know him. And then all of a sudden you're going to see Xavier Simpson have 18 points 
and 11 rebounds and you're going to or 11 assists and you're going to see Teske have have an 18 point game like he did early in the year um that's when you're going to see them shine so that that's part of the reason I really believe that Michigan is primed for a great march gotcha all right so Tim let's look ahead to this week for the for the maize and blue starting on first with the Thursday matchup against the against the Wisconsin Badgers I remember and this is a this is a team that I had written off. I admit it. I had written off earlier in the year. Felt like, uh, you know, you 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 lose your second leading scorer to 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 transfer. This is this is not a team that's really going to be able to really be able to get it together. And right after that happened, Tim was when uh, was when they knocked off Michigan State. And that was without Brad Davison too in that game because he mm-hmm. had he had been suspended uh, for that contest. So no Kobe King and no Brad Davison in that game, uh, and they went out and they won it. And that's when uh, you know that was a little bit of jolt of act right for me. You can never write Wisconsin off. You look at the standings right now in league play. This is a team uh, that's ahead of Michigan in the standings, ten and six, seventeen and ten overall. Uh, you know, under the circumstances, uh, a pretty good showing for the Badgers. Badgers are going to be tough. It's a good team, and they're playing their best ball this season right now. They've won four in a row, and I believe five of six. They remind me a little bit of Purdue. Uh, good defense. They lack some of the perimeter playmakers that, that they've had in the past. Definitely better at home than on the road, but I like their big guys as the strength of their team. Nate Reavers, mm-hmm. is you know he's going to get all Big Ten recognition. Micah Potter is playing better at 6'10 or so, very physical, low turnovers. They, they can beat you at the three-point line. And, and you're right. After the slow start they had this year, it was easy to write them off. Um, but if you look at the Ken Palm numbers and some of the bracket projections, I, I would say that, that right now Wisconsin might be like a seven or an eight seed. So it'll be a really, a really high-level environment. And, and a great opportunity for a big win. And I think Michigan's going to play great against them. Yeah, you know, make Nate, Nate, make Nate Reavers, you know what I like to say, make him play some defense. And Michigan has some some guys that are, are really going to push him. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be one of the keys to trying to, you know, keep him from having one of his, uh, one of his uh, you know, stronger showings. But a guy who can hit threes, uh, who can play in the lane, just a really versatile guy. Uh, that they have to lead the way for them, lead the way for them offensively, and then after that, it's you know matching their ma- matching their grit. I don't care what Wisconsin team it is, uh, they're always the team that's going to play you tough, play you physical, and have some grittiness. And then on this team, I'll say it, a dirty player in Brad Davis. I think Brad Davis is just a dirty. <laughs> I think he's just a dirty guy, Tim. Uh, it may seem a little gratuitous for me to just find a way to throw it in there, uh, but I, I feel like whenever you play Wisconsin, you gotta. You got to throw in there that you're going to be dealing with a guy that that's a cheap shot artist. Uh, you know, maintain <laughs> maintaining your composure against that, not matching fire with fire, so to speak, uh, and winning on the sco- scoreboard is the best way to deal with a guy like that. Come on, Sam, don't hold back. Don't don't sugarcoat <laughs> it. Tell me what you really think about Brad Davidson. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> is I, right. And so then, you know, from from there, you know, the Wolverines after they take on uh, Wisconsin. Then it comes time to go down to Ohio State and take on the Buckeyes. Remember, we talked about this game a couple of weeks ago. They come in Ann Arbor, seeming like you know Michigan is 
is going to hold on to get this one, and they are able to snatch that victory on Michigan's home floor. Now the Wolverines are going to go and try to exact a little bit of revenge. Ohio State is is playing some really good ball right now, and what a what a strange season for them. They started out and won 11 of their first 12, and a lot of people thought that this is a Final Four caliber team. Then they they were horrific. They they <laughs> they lost seven of ten and and were struggling at both ends of the court and and now all of a sudden they're, they're playing really good. Caleb Wesson is an All Big Ten guy. Dwayne Washington is playing uh, the best ball of his career. They just beat Maryland yeah, by seven. And and Luther Muhammad was the best player on the court in a in a very talented game. I, I um I think that the, the 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 most important part of this game is that Caleb Wesson had 23 and 12 the first time these teams met in Ann Arbor, and John Teske was one for seven. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's that's a matchup that that needs to be pretty darn even, and and it gets me excited because there's two weeks to go in the regular season, and and you know we're we're getting a few days away from March right now. I just this is my favorite time of the year. Yeah, he he was able to get off, able to get going, and one of uh, in the last game talking about uh, Caleb Wesson, and he was able to harm them from the perimeter too. That was one of the things that that really stuck out, and it kind of got him on a on a roll. But you're absolutely right. I, I think it's one of the 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 biggest keys uh, to slowing a guy down. So he doesn't have to worry about the other end of the floor. Man, it just seems like it just takes a you know takes a lot off the plate to to be concerned with to worry about to to hinder. Him offensively, I think that's a part of the Caleb uh, Caleb Wesson deal. So John Teske playing better basketball of late, uh, and now you can come back in. You can still come back in with Austin Davis. You know he's going to give you some tough physical minutes as well. Uh, I, I think this is a game that yeah, I really like Michigan in. They they had them, they or came close to having them here at home, and weren't they weren't able to hold on. I really like them in their in the rematch to. You know, turnabout is fair play, right, Tim? That's <laughs> so, right. So, That's right. You know. you know what? I just and 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 my my friend from the the, the Michigan Ohio State game that wants his NIT tickets, he's going to have to wait a year, right? Right. And, and, and the other thing, the other thing to throw out there, I mean, lest we forget, no, in that last game, no Isaiah Livers. So now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Ohio, Ohio State's going to have a little something extra uh, to worry about. Uh, in, in addition to a a front, are, do you think that Franz Wagner and Eli Brooks are going to go a combined five for twenty four in this game? I, I just, you know, the all of those things together, you know, your two best shooters shooting epically bad, uh, and then not having your best shooter on the floor. Uh, I just think those those all of those uh, you know elements won't be there this time around for Ohio State. I think Michigan's going to be better shooting the basketball, if for no other reason, then they're going to have Isaiah Livers out there too. Yeah, I'm excited, Sam. I, I like the direction of the team. And um, it, it it's uh, it, more than anything else, it's just exciting to have a game on Thursday night and a game on Saturday that I just can't wait to tune in for. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, Tim. And then I can't wait to get back on the podcast next week to talk to you all about it, man. It was fun once again. Until next time, it's been a blast. Thanks, Sam.